this last week, um, took some of our leaders from the church out to Chicago. We went to a conference, a church planning conference, and I go to things like that because I like to be filled up. I oftentimes, on a Sunday, I empty my cup. I preach all, all the prayer and the study and the, everything I do during a week to prepare for Sunday. When Sunday's over, I've given it all out. I get home at the end of this, the Sunday run, I'm just a spent man. So I, like, so I went to this conference where I heard, man, 14 preachers preach the word, just, just receiving the word, singing for, for two days solid. And we're getting ready to leave Chicago and come back to Flint. And we had a choice to make. Do we want to jump in the car, make up some miles and get home faster and like get faster on the road, or do we eat in the city before we leave? So I, I told the team, I said, everybody, here's the deal. We can either stay here in Chicago, eat at Portillo's, or get on the road. I told that, I told that to everybody before we got, before we, went, before we went into the place to hear the preaching. Well, what I didn't know was something very, very simple. Um, our good friend John, in the back doing sound, had seen a comedy sketch years ago done by Gabriel Iglesias, also known as Fluffy. We talked about Portillo's restaurant and how Portillo's had something called a chocolate cake shake. And for years, John had been like, you hear about such a, such a thing, you know, and you're like, someday I will try this. And all of a sudden, that day had come. We're, we're together, and I'm like, either Portillo's or no Portillo's. So he went to everybody in our team and sold them on Portillo's so we could all go. And they should, listen, this shake, the small is 850 calories. The large is 1,500 calories. They take this, the chocolate cake shake for Portillo's is literally, it's a, it's a, it's a slice, it's a decent size slice of cake. They put the cake in the blender, just go, and you drink a liquefied piece of cake. That's all it is. And man, is it good. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's, here's the easy way. This is what happened. When I told everybody, are we staying or are we going? Portillo's or the highway? When I asked everybody that, I didn't tell anybody like, like, to fight their case, but my brother John had heard the good news of the chocolate cake shake, and he had to make his case to the brothers and the sisters. And this is true for all of us. If something we experience in this life, if it shines, it makes us happy, no one's got to make us tell people about it. If I discover a pair of shoes that makes my feet happy, and I hear someone talk about shoes. I'm like, oh, do you guys like shoes? I bought some shoes the other day. They're the bomb, yo. No one had to tell me to share that news. I just wanted to share that I have discovered a pair of shoes that makes your that breathes well and keeps your feet comfortable. If you go somewhere, have a good, a good meal somewhere. I had a lady at Speedway Gadget here in Flint, Michigan. I don't know her very well. I know her because she, she comes to the line at the pantry, gets food once a month. She's like, hey, pastor, oh, how you doing? She's like, hey, pastor, I don't know if you're, you're from this area. I'm like, yeah, I'm from this neighborhood. She goes, across the street. And this, this place is, it's, it's a Flint restaurant. It's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, what do you call it? It's not a retail chain. It's not like a food chain. It's, like a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Flint staple. She goes, that place right there. Look at that, that place right there. She goes, best wings in the city. Now, I didn't ask her to tell me any news about that restaurant. But she loves that place, and out of the overflow of her heart, she shared with me that. So guess where I'm going tomorrow? I'm going to get some wings for that little restaurant tomorrow. Because if we love something, if something 
changes our lives, if something moves us, we naturally want to share that news with other people. When Angie and I first got pregnant, we had a whole like um, we had a whole checklist of who got called first. We called her parents first, then my parents. Then we called my siblings, and then her siblings, and we, then we called all the friends. Then we called your friends, then my friends. It was a whole thing. And we loved coming up saying, hey, how you doing? Well, uh, we got some news. What's going on? We're pregnant. Ah! Like, it just, we loved sharing happy news. When my daughter started playing basketball, I took a picture of her on the court dribbling. I took the picture to all the family. Like, my little girl's playing basketball. Because it's just, you're happy when you have something happy, you're happy in your life that's happy. You just want to share that news with other people. It just, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When something good happens, it's going to come out. Whether it's on Facebook or social media or with your friends, with your family, whether it's food or clothing or a movie, if you love something, no one's got to command you to share that loved thing, right? We've all made recommendations for restaurants. We've all been there. Here's the thing, whenever we talk about sharing our faith, whenever that comes up, we all get a little like nervous and weird about it, you know what I'm saying? Because these words sound scary, words like evangelism, that's a scary word. Sharing our faith is a scary idea, because here's, here's what we all think to ourselves, I don't know how to do it right. I don't know how to do it well. Whether they get mad at me, they'll think I'm weird. So many people, for the most part, many of us, never tell anyone about Jesus. We are secret disciples walking around loving Jesus and never talking about him to anyone we meet. Now, we'll talk about other stuff. We'll talk about guns, who to vote for, who not to vote for, a mask or not a mask. We talk about all that stuff, but talking about Jesus, we might once in a while share a cool little, like, a shared story as far as we go. I'm not talking about having to be a preacher or a missionary. I'm talking being a normal human being who walks around with other normal, average human beings and being unafraid to reveal that in my life, something I love, something that matters to me is Jesus. This matters to my life, and I'm not trying to force anything down your throat. I just can't not tell you of what God has done for me. God has been good to me. A lot of us erase Jesus and God from most of our conversation because we're afraid to offend people. We're reading here in Acts, we're in Acts 14, and Paul and Barnabas are two guys who are traveling, and they're telling people of Jesus all over the place. It's an overflow for them. It, it, it just it flows out of them. They can't help but share of what Christ has done for their lives. I want to talk today about sharing Jesus with other people. What happens if you share Jesus with someone else. Okay, first, 14 verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way 
that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Paul and Barnabas have begun to invite the pagans into the faith. They go into a synagogue on a Saturday, they speak, and a number of Jews and a number of Greeks come to believe in Jesus. It's a good day. Because here's the reality. If you ever share your faith with somebody, they might receive it. If you tell them about Jesus, they might listen. They might ask a question. They might be ready to hear something about Jesus, and you happen to be the vessel that God's brought into their life in that moment. I don't want to embarrass people. I'm going to tell you a story from this, in this room. We have a, a, a lady in this room whom we love very much. She started coming to church here at Flint City, and she told me a story how she moved to the city. She was here for years, and she just wanted someone to ask her to go to their church. She had no church. She wanted someone to ask her to invite her to their church, and no one ever did. She would ask, well, do you go to church somewhere? Where is it? Can I come? Like She would invite herself to try to find a church, and no one anywhere had the heart to invite her to their family of worshipers. I read, a, I read a thing. I read a book called You Lost Me. It's a book about millennials who have left the church, and the stats were staggering. The Barna Group did a study, and they found even among unchurched millennials, over 70% said if a friend invited them to church, they would come. They're not standing there with guns like, you better not invite me to church or I'll shoot you. No one's like that. People are like, if my buddy invited me, I'd probably go for a week and see what it was like. People are generally open to the idea of who God is and what he's saying. If you tell someone about Jesus, they might listen. They might receive it. My, um, my kid brother who played bass right here. Remember one day, um, he's going to the church at Faith in Waterford, Michigan. In a youth group. He was a high school kid. And he was a rough and tumble high school kid. He didn't grow up in the church. None of us grew up in church. And he was really far from the things of God. And one day, one of the leaders, one of the youth leaders, came to me in the lobby. He goes, Ernesto, come here. I'm like, what's up? He goes, man, I was sitting down with Jesus. We're talking. I was sitting in my car talking about life. And I told him about what Jesus, he talked about his fear and his anger. I told him that Jesus can heal all wounds. And he asked me to meet Jesus, and I prayed with him in my car, and he became a Christian. This guy stumbled through the gospel. He wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a teacher, he wasn't a pastor, he was, he's a business guy, right? Bob King. Bob King, love you, brother, if you're watching this, I'm just saying, he lives in Texas now. But he just told my brother, there, there's a God, and this is who Jesus is, and this is what he's done for me, and this is what he can do for you. And my brother bowed his head in that car, prayed a prayer, and it's not been a perfect walk. There's been ups and downs, Right? Following God isn't easy. We, we go astray, we come back, we fall in a hole, we get out. But he, every week, Jesus plays up here and then he runs out the door. Do you guys know why? He goes to Eastside to lead worship up there. His first week leading worship at Eastside, he was a little nervous because he's more of a musician, he's more of a, like a player than a... Playing and singing is a different, a different thing. 
where over the past few weeks, I've watched God just begin to embolden his heart as he sings, and God uses him more and more, and it's awesome. You might tell someone about Christ, and they might receive it. That's a good thing. You have no idea. God's preparing people all over the place. I mean, people are just waiting for us to be the ones to say. And listen, you don't got to go full on, like, speech in hand. You want to know Jesus? Well, let me tell you. Point number one. No. It might be as simple as saying you're at work, someone's having a hard time, saying, listen, you mind if I pray for you? That, that easy. And that's a bold move. Because you're, you're flying your flag. I believe in God. I believe he's true. I believe you can meet people in the here and now and do stuff. And I want to bring your concerns to his ear. Is that okay with you? I pray for you. I had an old man I, I used to run with, this old, old guy. And after we go to eat together, I worked for him for a while. Whenever we went to a restaurant, big boy wherever, he'd always have to ask for the waitress. He'd say, excuse me, ma'am, can we, we're going to pray for a meal. Can we pray for you? Man, we had waitresses sometimes just break down crying at the table, giving us food. Here's your waffles. Oh, like just, just break down crying. Because we don't know what's going on in people's lives. He, the old man would ask, hey, we're going to pray. Can we pray for you? People just share stuff. My kid, my mom, my sister, my rent. And we pray. That simple act of faith, you wouldn't believe how God would use that simple act of faith to minister to people's lives. People would ask us, where do you guys go to church? Can I come? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We had the, the Halloween thing on last Saturday. And one of our guys, Brian, was dressed up as like, like Zorro? What was Brian? He had like a mask on and a cape and a sword. And he didn't, like most people came, like some people came here that dressed here. He wore that costume all the way in his car to come here. He had to get gas. So he's out pumping gas looking like Zorro, you know, in the, in the city of Flint. And some lady was like, oh, that's really cool. What is it? Oh, man, I'm doing a retreat thing down the street here at the church. She's like, you know what? You have any kids? Yeah, I got some kids. Why don't you guys come down? Starting at 5. It would be good to have you. And they came. They came. That simple act of an invitation mattered. If Jesus has really, truly changed your life, has ministered to your life, this is not me saying, you better share or you're in trouble. I'm asking if it matters, if it's deep down true, is it overflowing on anything? If, it, if it's the true true, if it's true, if it's really changed my life, I'm going to recommend Jesus more than my favorite movie. My favorite song, my favorite shake, that matters to me more than all that stuff. And when I share, God, listen, when I was in high school, this is, this is true, I was a Christian in high school, I got saved, and everyone knew in my school, I carried my Bible around at school all the time, everyone knew Ernesto was a Christian. People would bring guys to my locker and say, hey, Ernesto, this guy at our school wants to know who God is, we tell him how to get saved. Like, they would just come to my locker, and I'd be like, ah, oh, I'd say get saved. They get saved, it was like God was just... Opening the doors like crazy. And I'm just saying, if it's real and it's true, don't be afraid to take that step of faith with people, to, to open the door of conversation. Some people may receive it. They may receive it. And what joy. And we have a thing here at Flintstone Church we do, um, is if you tell someone about Jesus, if you just invite them, whatever, and they start walking with the Lord, you know, we call, oh, there's a whole, I won't get into that all. So anyways. There's nothing that can happen. Nothing that can happen. So 
Tell them about Jesus. They might receive it. That's a great day. But listen to this, verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. And then an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. Some people might hear the gospel and receive it. Well, some people might hear the gospel and reject it. That does happen. You might say, can I pray for them? I'd say, no. Oh! That's not, that's it. Being shut down is not awesome. It's embarrassing. It feels awkward. Hey, man, can I pray for you? No, I don't want your prayers. Okay. I once had a lady ask me to go pray for her aunt who was dying of cancer in the hospital. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. I was being asked as a, as a you know, family, asked me to go in. So I, I go to the hospital. I walk in. I'm going to the door. And I walk in, and she's there, and she's, she's dying. She's, she's lost weight. Her body is failing her. She's in pain, and she's angry. I walk in. She says, who are you? I'm like, I'm Pastor Ernesto. Your niece asked me to come and see you. So what do you want? Like, I want to ask to know if you're ready to meet God. And she was quiet. She's like, you know what? I really don't want to talk to you. I was like, okay. And I just walked out the door. That happens sometimes. Some people don't want to talk to you. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to deal with it. That happens. Some people tell you to shut up and get out of the room. That's like the worst case scenario in America. Like We don't live in India or China where you get killed for your faith. The worst case scenario for most of us is we're told no or you're dumb. That's not pleasurable, it's not fun, but it happens. We can be rejected, and that's okay. That's okay. Here in this city, Paul and Barnabas preaching Jesus, some get saved, others don't like what's happening, and they actively are resisting the work that is happening. They're literally spreading rumors about Paul and Barnabas. They're trying to pull the work down. That can happen. That can happen. But we're still called by God to share this good news with people that we meet. Part of being a Christian is, means we're on mission with God to help other people meet the God who has changed our lives. Okay. I'll say it this way. Life is hard for everybody. Fair? Life is hard for everybody in different ways. We all take different hits and different losses in different seasons. Every one of us. Some when we're younger, some when we're older. I got a brother in Christ I went, to, I went to college with. And when he was 17 years old, he lost his mother and father within one year, and he held them both as they died. He was a hard man because he had, he literally... He was the last one to hold his mother when she passed. Then a year later, when his dad had a heart attack in the, in the front yard, he was there holding before the ambulance came and never made it. He lost, he buried both his parents. It was an orphan at 17 years old. We all go through it. And here's the reality. Pain can break people, can it? It can break you all the way down. It can make you bitter, hard, mean. It can make you afraid. Pain can crush a person. 
How do we live in a life full of so much loss and not become miserable, mean, awful people? That's the question. And I only have one answer. God shares this picture of him being a mother bird and us being under his wing. And as like the rain falls where they're under his wing, protected from the elements. That's the only way I know how to survive. Is right there under the crook of God's wing. That's the only way I know how to survive the losses of this life. The losses are great, dude. Stinking two days ago, I watched the movie Coco. You guys watch Coco, a Disney cartoon? What? Not Coco Melon. What? No, the, it's it's a Mexican cartoon. It's, it's 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 um it's Pixar. I watch it every year on the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos. And every year I watch it, I cry like a baby. Because I watch that movie, you know what I do? I miss my grandma. My grandma passed away a few years ago, and my grandma is the grandma in that movie. And I watch that movie, and I just, I, I miss my grandma. I cry. I miss her so bad. These losses we take, how do we endure them? The only way I would endure the pain and loss of this life is, is through the power of Christ's Holy Spirit. Is filled with Christ, loved by Christ, protected by Christ, and loved by his people. We don't do this alone. Why wouldn't I tell people about that good news? People are out there getting their heads kicked in and they are alone. They're alone, they're afraid, they're angry and hurt. And we have hope in this house. We don't have a get out of jail free card. We don't have one of those. We go to jail too. I'm saying, I'm saying oh, that's a weird, that's weird, that's a weird metaphor. When Jesus, at, at Jesus said the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, he says, if you hear these words of mine and live by them, when the waves come and the wind blows, waves, wind, the storm. Your house will not fall down because it's built upon the rock. If you hear these words of mine and do not live by them, you will be like a fool who built his house upon the sand. And when the waters rise and the winds blow and the storm comes, your house will fall and great will be the fall of it. Jesus says both people, the obedient son, disobedient son, both people, the storm comes for them both. The storm comes for everybody. Question is, are you with Christ or not? Are you in Christ or not? We have the hope. We can tell people, listen, it's real, it's true, it's good. We don't need to know every answer. I don't got every answer. Some people receive the word you give them, some will reject it. So here's the question well, what do you do if you tell someone about Jesus and they're like, I don't want to hear this? What if you got a son or a daughter who hates God? What do you do then? What if your mom or your dad hates the Lord or just doesn't want to hear about God? What do you do then? What if a neighbor is antagonistic to the things of God? What do you do then? We have two choices. We can either, well, what does Paul do? When they first start pushing against him, it says here, verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. 
So what did Paul and Barnabas do when people started resisting the gospel? What did he do? It says, so they remained there for a long time. So when they faced resistance, they kept on pushing. So sometimes when people reject, you keep on telling them. Sometimes you don't give up. And you keep loving, you keep praying, you keep encouraging, you keep calling, you keep sending mail, you do whatever you got to do to remain in their life, and you keep on planting seeds, asking God to do a work. If it's, if it's a kid, or a parent, or a family member, or a neighbor, maybe God's called you through the, the course of years to be a slow, careful witness through your life, slowly showing someone this God stuff is legit. Sometimes when people push back, you keep on praying for them. You keep on loving them, and you don't give up. I told you about my brother, kid brother Jesus. I told him about Christ two years before that day he got saved. And he told me, words I can't repeat. <laughs> He's like, I don't want it. I don't want it. And, and, and I would give him a lot of space. I thought to myself, will this young one ever come to know you, Lord? I didn't know. But I always prayed for him. I always, you know, ask him, hey, can I pray for you? I was always near and present. Even when he was angry, I stayed close to him. Now, I wasn't the one that finally led him to Jesus. Mr. King was. I'm just glad he came home. I'm just glad he met Jesus. I'm just glad he met Jesus and it changed his life. That's all I'm glad about. That's the win. We don't need to be the one that helps them cross the finish line. If they cross the finish line, that's, that's the win for everybody. Some people in this life, they might be angry and rage against us, and we are called to just faithfully, silently suffer alongside them that they may meet Jesus Christ. I had one of my neighbors... The day I moved in, this neighbor mocked my faith and mocked our church. And this year, I had a bunch of cider. I decided to bring it to all the neighbors on the street. I brought the cider to all the people that left over. I brought one to his house, knocked on the door, he answered. I'm like, yeah, I left over cider. He goes, man, the thing you do down there is crazy. I'm like, yeah, it's a crazy night. He goes, you really believe it, don't you? And I, I was like, I was tired, I wanted to go sleep, and I was like, yeah, I believe it. He goes, I might have a church someday, you watch. And I'm like, okay, he closed the door. And I was like, I just backed away slowly, like, wow! Like, oh, like, like I have not been a good, I, I've not been preaching this man. But he knows who I am, he knows who I believe, he sees the way I live, and over time, over time, something's happening. Some people you don't give up on. But there's this as well. Listen to this. Round two, verse four. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby. They engaged in gospel retreat. Sometimes, if the door is slammed, 
We need to go, okay, this person is someone I can't reach. God, you take care of them. I, gotta let you, 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 I can't get to them. God, you get to them through someone else because I'm not the one you're calling to this. That is okay. There are people... This is tough. Everything I can say now is really hard. I'll say it this way. Got to be very careful what I say next. I'll start beginning to get personal. We were in India for two years, my wife and I. India arrested me, and they kicked us out of the country. They deported us. And I prayed, God, should I sneak back in the country? Should I sneak and be like a secret preacher guy around the country, hiding from the police? And the Lord said, no, India is not for you to reach anymore. And so my wife and I stayed in America. Now, some people might have said, and I said, you're a coward for not going back. As we prayed and sought discernment, the Lord said, this is not where I'm calling you. And so we engaged in gospel retreat. And we could continue to preach Jesus other places. That happens sometimes. Now, if the Lord would have said, go back and die, we would have gone back and died. But thankfully, he didn't, so we didn't have to. Now, with people, let's say there's, there's a kid I know, and they have an abusive parent who's just brutal to them. They're toxic and unkind. Every time they see this parent, the parent runs them down, makes them feel small, and just crushes on them. They say to me, Nestle, I want to... You have distance, but I feel like I have to be there because I need the light of Jesus. I might say, listen, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but you need to pray for this because maybe God this is destroying you. Maybe you need to back away let God send someone else to reach them. Maybe you need to engage in gospel retreat and let someone else reach them because right now this is killing you and you can't keep doing this to yourself. That happens and that is okay. There have been, in my life, some relationships and some places I've had to back away from for the good of the gospel, for the good of my own soul, for the family. That's hard to do. Twice in my life, I thought I would be in one, I thought I'd be India forever. I thought I'd be in Waterford forever. And both those places, I had to engage in gospel retreat those were hard decisions to make, to leave those works. But it was done knowing. Listen to what happens. When you engage in gospel retreat, listen to what can happen. Verse 7, and there they continue to preach the gospel. They had their life and could keep preaching other places. You're not called to reach every single person for Jesus. You have a workplace, you have a family, you have a neighborhood. That's your sphere of influence. That's your sphere of influence. And you pray, Lord, how can I be a witness in this world that I walk in? And as you pray for people, God might say, this person you're praying for, let that person go because it's a closed door. They don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Maybe you just pray for them from far away and you let them walk. And you give your attention to somebody else. That can happen. That requires discernment, that requires prayer, 
But if it happens, it's okay. I'm giving you permission not to feel accountable for their salvation. That's all I can do. Sometimes God might say, you keep chasing them, you keep loving them, you keep enduring. God might also say, I release you from that, and you're allowed to engage in gospel retreat. I don't know which one at which times. I'm just giving you the two things that happen as you share your faith with people. Some may receive it, some may reject it. Some may be an open door, some may be a closed door. But the main thing I want to say to you is this. If you love Christ, I'll quote the great poet. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No! No! I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't hide your light. You've got to be crazy preaching on a crate by the Lions game. You've got to be that guy. But you don't got to be afraid to share who you are either. And a lot of us, we're afraid to say anything. we got to stop being cowards, and we got to let our light shine in this world because people are waiting for someone to tell them there's more to this life than the crap they're being sold on TV. Let us be those people. With that said, let us pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for this day and for your word that is true. Every one of us has someone in our lives that's far from you. Let us leave this place with their name in our heart. Let us pray for them. Let us invite them to coffee. Let us send a text message of, of a friendship. Let us think of the people we know who are far from you and let us give a rip about them. Let us once again enter into prayer for those we know who are far away from you, O oh Lord. We don't know if they'll react goodly or badly, but we trust you. So use our light. Use our small, feeble efforts. Use them for your glory, O oh Lord. In Christ's name we ask these things.